everybody. Welcome to Insufferable Bastards. My name is Carlos Danger for the purposes of this broadcast, and I'm joined by co-host Mr. Brian Spears. Hello, Brian. Hello, hello. And tonight I am pleased to welcome a second co-host of the podcast. You know him from his exploits from the Dabbleverse and on his YouTube channel, B-Dabbler. Ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome El Harible to the podcast. Hello, El Harible. Hello, Carlos. Thank you. Thank you for having me. No, it's my pleasure, man. You're my online buddy. Yes. And our very special guest tonight is a beast of a comedian as described by Shuli Agar. He's a regular at the Comedy Store. He was on the Showtime show, I'm Dying Up Here, Comedy Central's Roast Battle. He was the voice of Barry Jelly on the Adult Swim show, The Jellies. Please welcome Earl Skakel to the program. How's it going, Earl? I'm like the most known, unknown comic you could book on this. Well, I, the first question I got to ask you, not to make it about us, but you're big time for us, Earl. I mean, it's <laughs> the fact the fact you reached out to us. I mean, you yeah. can ask these guys. The first thing I did, I panicked and I sent Brian a message and I'm like, Earl fucking Skakel watched an episode with Stevie Lou, apparently, and then said he'd do our podcast and it blew my mind. Why are you here? I mean, I'm a fan of Stevie Lou. Uh uh, I'm also a fan of, uh, I'm a, and a friend of Chad Zumach, so I know like there's certain uh, cross uh, feuds I'm probably starting or hopefully stopping by, I feel like a bad guy. I feel like Nikita Koloff turning good guy, joining Dusty Rhodes. Uh, so um, hopefully, I, you know, I'm, I'm a people person, so I like to bring people together. So... Uh, you know that's your mission well you know i know in the podcasting world uh you know there's a new it's very 80s pro wrestling right now with podcasting you know there's feuds there's um good guys there's bad guys uh steroid abuse uh i don't yeah look at me not for the podcasters i've seen (laughs) but um yeah, podcasts you know. are not TV. Well, now they are, but geez, none of us are TV. But I guess yeah. at the end of the day, Chad Zumach, for all intents and purposes, is a great heel. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's one of my better comedy friends. Uh, so, um, you know, I I probably have done a few podcasts that he doesn't like me going on. but And I know we'll get on this later. Like, you know, everyone knows I don't like Jeff Ross. But I have good friends of mine who open for him, and I don't, I don't expect people to carry my feuds or whatever you want to call them. So you know, hopefully Chad doesn't mind me, because uh, I'm still, I'm not going to lie to you guys, I'm still unsure of what the actual Dabble universe is. Just like so I don't am know. I. <laughs> like true. I'm, you know, someone told me once that they were talking about me on Reddit, like roast battle related, and. Uh, so I went on there, and within one minute, I was called a faggot. Uh, so that's did you post it. like under your real name? Did you or did you? Did they know it was you actually on there, or were the comments just calling you that? No, I post under my real name. Uh, okay. So uh, and then it happened again. Someone uh, recently told me about a uh, a subreddit on Brendan Schaub. So uh, I went in there because they they told me, hey, you should go in there and. and tell them you're a comedy store paid regular and they'll ask you questions about the comedy store and uh you know they'll love you in there because you keep it real so i hey everyone earl skakel paid regular at the comedy store and 
I'm not exaggerating. Within the first 10 minutes, I probably got 20 questions asking me how tall Joe Rogan was. And, you know, I'm 6'1". Yeah. So Joe's always very nice to me. So I, when I hug him, you know, he feels about three to four inches shorter than I am. So I said 5'9". You know, answering the question seriously and... Sincerely. Yeah, I don't know how tall Joe is. I, I'm guessing on my height that he's around 5'9". Uh, and I was just ridiculed. Uh, oh, you pussy, you're just trying to get on his podcast. I'm like, no, I, I'm really not. So, so. You should, I would, I don't, the fact that you haven't been on Rogan blows my mind because you're you're this renaissance man. And just from the podcast I've seen you in, you're able to have a conversation about anything but reddit is a scary place i go on there i read the dabblers anonymous but i don't i never i posted there once i interviewed Artie lang and i put what? it on there i was like hey i interviewed Artie lang and it was like yeah I, it was like i ate a baby people just attacked me and i was like i'll oh, never again although el Haribla, you're able to mat you're on there right you can kind of you manage reddit under well, not that that you manage it but you're able to navigate those troubled waters yeah, well, because when I started creating, that was where I posted everything. Uh, the Dabblers are very particular about what you post on Dabblers Anonymous. And if it's not Stuttering John related or now Shuli hate related, I guess, I don't know. Um, they get rid of it. Like, you know, so you have to you have to stay Stuttering John related for Dabblers Anonymous. And all my first videos were John related because John was around. But, you know. John left, which was the smartest move on John's part. But um, and now it feels like that, like we're the Dabbleverse is sort of imploding on itself. We're we're eating each other bit. a little bit. There's all this like infight, but again, it's it goes back to it's like wrestling. So I guess it it'll be it's a good thing. And then like speaking of that, I I might be wrong here, but are you going to DabbleCon, Earl? I thought I heard Shuli say that, but I'm planning on it. But I got to be honest with you, I. I... I do things last minute, so I've been looking up flights, and uh, from Los Angeles, it's you know it's it's a bit of a uh, they're not cheap flights. It's a so million I, dollars. I mean, it's about six to seven hundred dollars from what I can gather, and uh, and wow. it's Rochester. And yeah, you got to go into I guess LaGuardia or JFK, and then go into Rochester, and so it, uh, I'm planning on it as of this moment, but. Uh, I try it, you know, 22 years into comedy, I try and not do comedy at a loss. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm seven, 80, 20 right now to answer the long form answer to your question. And you're, you're, you're kind of buddies with Shuli. How did you hook up with Shuli? Or do you know Levy we, before? I don't, I don't know the whole history. I had, um, heard of Levy. Um, you know, I'm an LA guy, so. Yeah. Uh, I've never actually li listened to one episode of Opie and Anthony, and that's not a slam on them. I just no, got it. I was a you're Mark and Brian, that, yeah. Uh, Mark and Brian, uh, Richard Blade for you, uh, old school uh, radio, L.A. Rick D's. Uh, mm -hmm. So I never. Uh, and when Jackie left Stern, I actually preferred Jackie to Artie. So I'm a, you know. Okay. Wow. No, I know I'm dating myself, but uh, no, I'm no, actually, we we listen to we listen to Jackie as well. I'm 48, I, Brian's uh, 56. We're okay, I'm age. 54, so we're the same uh, age. 
don't worry. I'm literally a week older than him. He just yeah. I'm sorry, but yeah, uh, we we're all but, yeah, we're contemporary. But the difference is like uh, I've been going back now. If I go back and listen to old shows, I prefer a Jackie show because like uh, the Artie shows have too much weight in them. You know, like there's too much. Once uh, you realize now, he was he's on heroin and it's yeah, yeah it's not as funny. It's look, not retroactively. As funny. And there was something innocent about Jackie. Yeah, I mean Jackie uh, was like the in the stand-up parlance, you know, the perpetual road comic. Yeah. He was never going to make it past a certain level, even though he's on Stern. Uh, so he was kind of that funny bitterness. Uh, whereas For a comic, I, though, because Jackie, like, he can get spots because he's on Stern. Would that drive, like, would if he went out to an L.A. club, would that drive you nuts if, like, Jackie's going to get a bigger billing? No, I get it. Uh, okay. You know, I think where it drives comics crazy, stuff like that, is like when Jeremy Piven, say, okay, yeah. gets a uh, bigger billing. Now, I, I get it also. Like, he's a big actor, Entourage. Is he? Well, I mean, Entourage, I never watched it, to be honest with you. But, like, I obviously have heard of it. You know, because he didn't pay his stand-up dues. I think that's what at least bothers me. And it's really the same thing with Shab. You know, I've done yeah. one show with him. He was nice enough, you know, uh, went on right after me. You know, it was uh, what they, uh, I forget what they call it, tag team. So there was no host. So I brought him up. He gave me a fist bump. That's been my only experience with him. Uh, he didn't ask but, you to, to walk him, walk you to his truck or anything like that? No, that, but see, that's, that's something that, uh, I, no, no, I read that stuff, the truck walk. Uh, yeah. I, and I'm not playing stupid. I, it took me forever to figure out what that was. Um, but, uh, you know, like he didn't really pay his dues in stand-up. Uh, you know, so that's, that bothers me more than, say, Jackie, who was actually a comic and a comic. plucked okay. it out for so long. So when I Jack, asked you, how did you, how did you get with uh, Shuli, though? Oh, I'm sorry. No, no, uh, that's fine. That's fine. Um, we did the Ric Flair roast together. So. Oh, so it was uh, recent you got you... Because yeah. that wasn't that long ago, right? No, it's July. I only remember the date because it was my mom's birthday. It was July 29th. Um, and I obviously had heard of him through Stern, but he got on Stern when I kind of checked out of Stern. Um, you know, I was just such a fan of the old Channel 9 show. And, yeah. you know, when they would have like Daniel Carver on yeah. and like, which is insane that that was on regular television. Uh you can't even play that on YouTube now. It gets pulled. Oh, my God. I mean, it's really... It was quite an era uh, of politically correct, incorrect humor. Uh, so I met Shuley for the first time at the Flair Roast, and we just got along, and he's he killed on the roast. Like, I did good, but Shuley and a Canadian comic by the name of Tyler Morrison, they killed, like... Because uh, it was intimidating. It was like 2,000 people. Probably the I, biggest crowd I've ever been in front of. I listened to your behind-the-scenes podcast today, which is on YouTube. And I gosh, I have this going on. If you want to find out more about Earl Skakel, there's all his oh, stuff. But that podcast you. was it's about an hour long. And again, I, you know, I'm not... Uh, I'm not going to say I'm a huge, huge wrestling fan. But it, just listening to that and he, hearing how you were like awe in awe uh, just to be there and then to get up and insult them all uh it was it was it's a good it's a good episode and it's good listening and do you mind i, I mean, actually have i have a little clip that i stole from your 
Can I play a clip of you? Uh, oh, please. Steal whatever you want of mine to put it up. Here we go. Here's one of, uh, wait, that's the wrong thing. I shared my screen and something else went up. This is you uh, at the Ric Flair roast. I mean, it's self-explanatory. It's a damn funny joke. Hulk Hogan wanted to be here tonight. How about that sex tape? <laughs> Jesus Christ. I was just like his in-ring wrestling. Three moves and a shitty finish. And when he came, called the girl brother. Hey, that's you. I mean, that's my sense of humor and, and really how my stand-up is very much in the vein of that joke. Uh, so... But I even got shit on that uh, for that joke on Reddit, and uh, because people were like, "Well, Hulk Hogan wasn't even there. What are you doing, telling a joke about him?" And I just isn't knew he synonymous Flair. with wrestling. Yeah, I mean, I knew Flair and Hogan don't like each other, yeah. so uh, you know, because they were the two big ones, and and of and my the two biggest names in wrestling. At the, yeah, I mean, arguably still, I mean, outside of The Rock. Uh, so you got to have one joke that you know is going to do well. And, and some of the jokes I told didn't do well, but that, that's roast jokes in general. You know, you, you take big swings and, um, you know, so I was, uh, you know, I cried three times at that weekend. Uh, I'm legit. I'm not. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like I'm walking around backstage uh, Sunday. So the weekend was the roast was Friday. They do like a, a Comic Con for wrestling Saturday, and then the last match is uh, his last match um, was Sunday. And backstage was just, it was, I felt like a Make a Wish kid. Like it was just like it, all these wrestlers from my youth. And the, the first time I cried was when I saw this guy by the name of Magnum TA, who, uh, you know, for the lack of a, you know, for younger people, he was like my John Cena, my, you know, he was like the perpetual good guy, the foil to Ric Flair and the horseman. And then he got into a horrible, uh, in real life car crash and he, he was never the same again. And, um, you know, I walked by this guy in a wheelchair and he, he's pretty jacked still. Like for a guy who's like, I think he can walk, but he just uses his chair to like, you know, get around, I guess. Mm. Um, my God, that guy looks really familiar. And then it just hit me. My God, that's Magnum TA. And I started talking to him and I I got down on one knee because I didn't want him to have to look up, you know, because of his neck. And uh, I felt myself starting to cry. And I'm like, hey, let me get you some water. I called him Mr. TA. I don't, I'm, I'm assuming TA is not his real last name. Uh, and then, uh, you know, and then I cried when I talked to Vicky Guerrero. You know, she's, you know, Eddie... Her husband, you know, uh, met an untimely death a couple of years ago. And, like, she was so nice. And uh, I cried when I was talking to Bully Ray, you know, one of the Dudleys, just because he was on the roast as well. And we're just talking. And I just, I don't know about you guys, but when I uh, have a memory in my head, it's like a movie playing in my head. So I'm very, um, I don't know, visual. And uh, as I'm talking to him, I, I'm just seeing all his matches and all the, crazy things he did putting his body on the line going through tables and barbed wire and it just 
I think he knew I was crying and he just kind of hugged me and he walked off. So <laughs> that was, he let you have your moment. Yeah. Was, I get I, that I get though. It. I mean, I cried the first time I met El Harible and it was online. <laughs> I love Bitch. the mask though. I love this new wave of podcasters like El Harible and the ski mask who I've, I've done his show a few times. Like I don't oh, know sure. who they are. I, I dig some, some of the anime. I kind of wish you and I did it, but my voice is too distinctive. Oh, believe me, I, I my we real talk name about is used to have stuff. We talk El about Blay, uh, Do you regret at any point, like where? Because I know, like we did a thing with Cardiff Electric. I think that was you. It was somebody in a wrestling mask and 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 had a giant fake breast plate thing on like women's breasts yeah. and then by the end of it it looked like it was extreme dehydration and i was getting ready to call 911 though i don't know i have, I have no idea where you live any regrets for going with the mask thing or is it you're sticking no, with it never no uh, uh it's a character i came up with uh while doing uh stand up um could because all the uh, i'm just an open micer that's you know i'm not I'm nothing more. I've been doing open mics for like 15 years on and off, but I have an awesome regular job and I don't want anyone to ever use that against me. Uh, so that's also why, because I'm never going to make my living in comedy ever. I've, you know, I've grown to realize that, but if I could do it on the side and have some fun, plus the El Harible, like, like I said, El Harible is just a character and uh, it's a fun character to play, you know, because you don't have to be yourself. I totally dig it. And I totally identify about wondering every second if I'm going to get fired for something that said, I'm like, right. a, I'm, that's why I like ski mask. He invited me on. I was like, yeah, I'll do it. I'll do it. And at the last second, I just was like, Oh dude, I got to work. I totally lied. I just thought anything right. he says is going to get me fired. That's funny. I mean, you do have to be careful. Like, you know, like the only thing I could get fired from right now is the cartoon I'm on, but it's kind of on hiatus, but you know, one wacky in this new era of, you know, one tweet can, you know, ruin you so you just never know it is there it is stifling so yeah it's it's kind of a i mean luckily i'm not big enough to be canceled so like i'm in that perfect for lack of a better word fame sweet spot of who cares you know so you're in a shangri-la all right let's talk about this intense uh i'm sorry i interrupted you did you gonna oh no no i'm done okay this uh you've probably Interrupt me whenever. You've probably talked about this a million times before, but I'm I'm sort of new to the Earl Skakel comedic universe. You know, I I've, I'm getting into you from Misery Loves Company because now the, the way the internet is, where we all come through in different ways. You know what I mean? And I don't watch cable because I cancel it. I stream everything. But what really excited? Just recently, you were on. I'm skipping around here, but you were on that New Year's Eve live stream from Misery yes. Loves Company, and you. <laughs> I was dying. I mean, I'm sitting there. I got my laptop out. It's New Year's Eve. You know, the kids are doing whatever. And I'm watching Earl Skakel and, and Kevin Brennan. And then later, Shuli was on. And it was just, this is, this is a dumb question. But, I mean, did it feel funny when you were doing it? Because it's like, you know, you're, you're doing this whole the, the StreamYard Zoom thing on YouTube. Chad is drunk off his ass, which I found really endearing. You know, we've all been there. Uh, so what was it like to do that broadcast? Well, I'm always nervous when I'm on with Kevin Brennan because I look up to him so much as a comic. Uh, you know, a lot of people, you know, say to me, I'm a, a slightly younger version, not much, but a, a slightly younger version of him. Um, so, I mean, it, you know, so I'm always, uh, the pressure is always on to make him laugh uh, 
for me. And then, uh, you know, the awkwardness of uh, Chad dipping in and out of the uh, the podcast or the uh, broadcast. Well, I guess it was a podcast. Uh, so, and, you know, surely I, I'm a big fan of his. Like, so uh, I want to make, you know, obviously I want to make the fans laugh, but, you know, I don't see them laughing. So I have to go on, you know, the three or four, you know, uh, pictures I see him. So, uh, you know, when I think I did a few lines where Kevin wasn't digging it, I'm like, fuck, I got to say something funny right now because, you know, uh, Kevin's Kevin. Um, really? So you I, felt nervous because as a viewer, I never would have guessed that in a yeah. million years because you're just like a sniper, it seems like. You're just totally stone-faced. But you're nervous under that. Oh, 100%. I mean, I'm oh, a bit shit. of a slow starter on on podcasts. And even in my stand-up, like the first few minutes are, you know, just – kind of gauging the room and what I can get away with. And, um, you know, you also don't want, and Bob Levy, I think was on that, that podcast too. Uh, yeah. you know, he's a legend. So, uh, you know, you don't, when you have, uh, three or four standups on a, uh, podcast like this, you know, I don't want to step on their lines. So there's a, and I have horrible Wi-Fi, as you guys could probably gather. Um, that's what made the show so funny, though, because I kept yelling at you about your internet. Oh, it was so great. Oh, it's horrible. Like I know, but stuff. it was funny in the moment. Yeah. It, you know, StreamYard for me only works on my iPad, which explains this bizarre camera angle of, like, I don't know, looking up. So, uh, you know, I, I'm really nervous when other funny comics are on uh you know, the, wow, the that blows my mind because, it, yeah, it, it, you don't pick up on it at all, I guess, because you're a professional. And you told that great story about how, I guess, a, an ex-girlfriend uh, had moved out uh, yes. gradually over time. I told my wife that. I was like, it, and then Kevin going in the next room to make sure his wife is still there. It was That was true, though. It was that was that a true story that? Yes. It was my last, my uh, ex-fiance. Uh, oh, probably um let me see but it's been about seven or eight months so like the last month i i literally thought i was going insane i would because we had uh pictures all over the place of each other and uh shows we had worked on uh we worked on an animated project that we you know would kind of had like not a vision board but a vision picture just to remind us oh. and like uh like every i don't know a few days I just thought I was going mad. And then um, she told me, Hey, I'm moving out. And I'm like, Oh man, that's what, that's what's going on. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of funny, but uh, you know, there's funny and pain, I guess. Maybe not at the time. All right. When did you start hating uh, Jeff Ross? Uh, and why? As as, almost as soon as I worked with him. Uh, no, uh, we, uh, Roast Battle started in about 2013. Um, so, and it was a Wild West show. Like those first, I think, two years before Jeff came on board, it was, it was like Blazing Saddles meets Roots meets Porky's meets Caddyshack. Like it was just the most politically incorrect humor you could you know, gravitate to and like they had a rule. Now keep in mind, Brian Moses is the host. He's black. Um, 
we had a rule that if it was two white battlers going against each other, each one could say the N word once. And I, you know, okay. and, and believe me, that rule was used. Uh, okay. And I don't mean the GGA version. Um, so that's kind of the show. Uh, it was just like a fight club uh, and it was held in the belly room at the comedy store, which have any of you guys ever been there? No, I've never been there. No, only seen the documentaries. Okay, yeah, I mean, it's like, uh, to use a wrestling term, it's very ECW-like. It's a very small room. The ceilings are low, so there's no ener- there's nowhere for the energy to go. It just stays in the room. And um, and then Jeff came on board about two years in. Every network had passed on the show. Like, no one wanted the show because they were like, well, who's going to watch two open micers? Nobody knows shit on each other with inside jokes. Um, but then, you know, at the time I was the house heckler, they called it the house racist, but we'll say the house heckler because I was like the Archie bunker of the show. Cause, um, sometimes, and most of the times in that early era, uh, the battles were really bad. It was just two comics who just, they had no chemistry. So me and Moses would do like this almost Amos and Andy type, you know, uh, pressure relief valve to get the show back so uh and then jeff came on board and uh you know he brought celebrities into the picture like Chappelle would show up to judge and that was pretty neat uh john mayer i don't know if if you're into that um (laughs) you know uh ivan reitman who you know produced everything 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 yeah if you were in your 50s or 40s any comedy you liked he probably made uh and then his son jason reitman you know who's a current um producer director so it was a the show got bigger but not better um and then you know jeff you know he was always kind of passive aggressive with me um and then when i started battling i think comedy central finally said okay we'll do a, a season and uh they they said about me Hey, we like that guy in the corner, but we can't have something called the house racist on this show. Can he battle? Um, and I have never battled before, but I'm like, I still wanted to stay on the show. So I'm like, yeah, I'll battle. Put me up against the best. So I just started beating everyone. Um, and then in Montreal, I beat Jimmy Carr. And, uh, you know, I don't think Jeff liked that too much. So, uh, you know, it's just been a, a steady... Did he just see you as a threat? Is that what it was? He's like, I mean, he would just pure jealousy. Um, you know, I was probably the most popular part of the local show, the weekly show. Uh, so I don't know if that's where it, uh, you know, came from. You know, you probably have to ask him, but he'd lie anyway. So I'm being honest. Um, you know, I was just mistreated on a show that I helped start and. You know, when your name is in the show, Jeff Ross presents, he gets my wrath, uh, you know, and his manager, you know, it's the same thing, you know, and, and, and frankly, the, the first season was kind of illegal, uh, the shit that was done to me because, and I only know this through my fian- ex-fiance because she writes, 
and produces that golf show, Holy Moly, you know, with Rob Riggle. I don't know if you guys watch that. Uh, it's a silly golf show. And uh, mm -hmm. I asked her, uh, why don't you get me on the show? You know, I used to play golf, be funny, you know, comic plays golf. And she's like, I can't. You're, we're dating. Like, if you won, which you probably would, because you're a good golfer. A conflict of interest. 100%. So when you look back at. Now, granted, let me say this before I continue. <laughs> Roast Battle is an incredibly stupid show. <laughs> it's basically skilled bullying. So. <laughs> I'm not trying to act like it's Miami Vice season two or, you know, MASH or Dallas. But, you know, when you're on a show from day one and you see it, uh, you know, Take off. Height, you know, I, I expect a little bit of loyalty. And, uh, you know, when you have Jeff's manager as an executive producer and she's also managing contestants and judges, you know, it, it's it's dirty. And if you look at my brain, if you follow Roast Battle, and I don't blame anyone if they don't, but like it, there are some Roast Battle super nerds. If you look at my bracket, it was completely unfair. Uh, and, you know, you had Jimmy Carr, you had Tom Ballard, who's a really, really funny Australian comic. And everyone else got at least one or two gimmick battles that they could win and move on. And like, why am I? I'm a fucking uh whatever a founding father of the show how, how come i'm the guy that's getting all the the toughest matches and unfair judging yeah so yeah 100 so uh you know did you ever I, confront ross like i know you make fun of him non-stop like every podcast i see you on there's at least one insult hurled i mean out of nowhere too which is i find even funnier well he lied to me uh directly to my face about season three and this is what i'm the least mad at you know it's like bro i beat jimmy carr who's arguably the biggest comic in the world you know in terms of worldwide you know he plays venues that like the killers play uh and i i've never seen in the show after that like what uh and like i think three people i beat got all three seasons like how does that make any sense and one of them uh should have been in jail i'll just leave that if you want to research that um anyway um so like, el harible is googling as we speak well, i mean that's that could be any la comic at the moment and right now that's it's uh well yeah, that's got to clear some of the clubs for you i like to uh give people a little nugget and if they if they wanna <laughs> you know research a little bit it's pretty easy to figure out who i'm talking about uh but you know he, he lied to me about season three he's like yeah man uh we wanted to bring you on as the heckler again. It's like, heckler? I beat Jimmy Carr. Like, what am I, like, now the fourth mic on a show I created or helped create? He said, but, yeah, there's there's just no room for the heckler on season three because of the judges and me. And So I turn on season three, and not only is there someone at the heckler table, they got some bimbo with the guy, too. Like, so now there's room for two people, but not me. It's a, like, you know, it's just... Total Hollywood, I guess. Not that I have any experience with that, but that's freaking Jeff Ross. What about, I'm always seeing you tweet about golden artists, and usually like Ron Jeremy's connected. What the hell is golden artists? What do they do to you? Uh, they, I'll be honest with you. Oh, but uh, one more thing about Go Jeff. ahead. Uh, um, he also, you know, Adam Egott is, was the old talent booker at the comedy store. 
he moved to Austin to um, book Joe Rogan's new club when that opens up. So they had a roast of Adam Egan at the comedy store. And I was set to host it because I'm good friends with Adam. And Jeff's like, I don't know exactly what he said, but uh, it was relayed to me that Jeff said something to the effect of, hey, you can't have Earl on the roast. He's going to come in too hot. It's like, well, yeah, uh, that's what a roast is. Like you come in hot on, if you have a skeleton, it gets talked about. And uh, so I got taken off the roast because Jeff was afraid. That you insult him too much. Well, the jokes I did were nothing compared to what some of the others actually did. Like, you know, I, it's a joke I did on the flare roast, which made no sense to the crowd. But I was like, hey, Jeff Ross, what's a roast without Jeff Ross? Uh, he wanted to be here tonight, but he's playing guitar. He's fingering in double D minor. Um, you know, because there's I'll been be those allegations made. There's been like there was a there was a whole story about someone who had like pictures, and there was yeah, a couple but, of years and, back, his reputation there. Well, I actually stood up for him, if you can believe that, on the allegations, because I'm like, hey, his side should be heard too, and you know, it's and his in that particular case, it was he said, she said, so you, you know, she had a completely opposite story than he did, but. You know, I actually, in a weird way, said his side should be heard too, and then you can believe whatever side you want. Okay, so Jeff Ross, I mean, you know, he doesn't—he's not very loyal. He just uses people and moves on to the next group of suckers, and uh, you know, it's just like I don't like that shit. I'm a very loyal person. So was was uh, he doing roast before the roast battle? Like, was he a roast guy? Because it seems like it seems it was like after that that he took that mantle. No, no, he was on uh, most of the Comedy Central roast. Okay, uh, like and that was, was all before that. Yeah, uh, he was okay. like the you know pretty much all of them. Uh, he was then, like a Friars guy, wasn't he? Like sort of like yeah. he was he glued on he attached himself to all the senior citizen comics back in the day. Yeah, right? and then uh, he uh, like he was on the Baldwin roast, and and he's been on them all, I think. Uh, but you know, I, I just, I'm not down with being, uh, you know, like I said, I mean, my season was illegal. What his manager did to me season two, if she was a dude, I would have hit him. Uh, mm. cause I was brought in for a roast. My ex-girlfriend was battling, uh, and, uh, they kind of lied to me to get me down there. Uh, cause I wasn't going to go watch a show I should have been on. Look, hey, Doctor Ken wants to meet you, and I, 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 you know, I'm not the smartest guy in the world, but I, I'm not the dumbest either. I'm like, I'm pretty sure if Doctor Ken wanted to meet me, he could just call me. Like, he's got the connections, uh, and I'm listed in the yellow pages. I'm pretty easy to find. Um, <laughs> so I go down there for season two, of the taping. Doctor Ken looks at me and goes, "Hey, man, who are you battling? I'm a big fan. I can't wait to judge you." I'm like. Uh, they told me you wanted to meet me. Like it, I could tell he was not oh. on. And so I sit down with him and I'm basically, if you ever watch season two, which I don't suggest, uh, I'm sitting essentially with the judges and my ex-girlfriend comes out, you know, we give a little wave to each other cause we still got along. And the guy she was battling had a joke about me cheating on her. He does the joke. And literally, she looks directly at me, and you could tell she was like, fuck you, man. The whole left side of the House of Blues turns and looks at me. 
And then as soon as the battle's over, Jeff's manager's waving at me like a lost shelter dog. You can leave now. Oh. And I'm like, and I just remember what, cause I could walk to, it was at the house of blues and I live right by there. And I just remember walking home going, I'm, I wasn't bawling, but I was kind of welling up going, this is the fucking business in a nutshell. Yeah. Jesus. I go from beating Jimmy Carr to being used as a joke prop. Like what? I fucking hate Jeff Ross. I thought this was well, going to be lighthearted. I, I'm sorry I brought all this up, Earl. Well, no, I'm not asking you guys to carry my feud. Like, if, if, if you guys are fans, great. Uh, no, I mean, like, I don't know. I did watch Bumping Mics, but I've never been. El Haribo, you a big Jeff Ross fan? No, I'm not. And I, I'm a big Dave Attell fan, and I think Bumping Mics is the worst thing I've ever seen. Why? No. No, 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 that whole bumping the mic, like the literal bumping <laughs> the mics is really annoying to me. But, you know, so it it's probably seems silly to outside fans of yours who don't follow roast battle. It's like, dude, get over it. But like, you know, I take things personally in full disclosure. So, uh, you know, when I feel disrespected, I lock in and I never let off the gas. So, um, Hence those Ross jokes. All right, I don't even want to ask you. I don't. I don't want to bring Please, you down ask anymore. Please away. I keep well, it real. I was going to ask about Golden Artists, but now I'm afraid they like hacked into your bank account or something like that. I don't. I don't. I'm afraid to ask. Well, they Although actually they, did I, nothing to me. Uh, <laughs> you know, Golden Artists Entertainment is some. It's like some fly-by-night management company. Uh, by this guy named Dante, who was a comic, is a comic, I guess. Uh, and, I, you know, one thing I don't like about, I like to give back to the comedy community. And so when I see bullshit, I probably get involved when I shouldn't. Because uh, there's a lot of, I had no help when I was a new comic, you know. I just green, got ripped off by a lot of shows. And so I said, if I can ever give back in my own little way i will and like you know he represented ron jeremy for five six years had a comedy tour with him and then as soon as he, everyone knew ron jeremy was a rapist like <sighs> everybody like he got me tooed out of porn that's impossible <laughs> think about that girls would not work with him because he was like he's too aggressive it's a double anal film what what yeah so he knew um and then he was like oh i had no idea like it's like what he's just full uh, of it so yeah, i just Jeremy's... like calling out his bullshit you know he's that he's done nothing to me but you know those are the type of people if you don't call them out they just rip off countless new people nobody else will yeah, and Ron Jeremy is not exactly doing well these days i guess i think they just declared him not competent for try i guess he's, he's basically on death's door from what I understand and what I read the other day. Well, I mean, I've heard he's playing it up. I mean, you know, when you have, you know, I've said this about all these Me Too people, you know, all the comics and, and other people who get accused, you know, one or two people accuse you. You could say, well, they're gold diggers or, you know, there was a bad breakup. They're lying. You know, it could, could be that, although I'm always pro-accuser. But, you know, when you have 70 people saying, he did this to me, another girl, same story. You know, when it's the same story with 70 people, eh, he's probably a rapist. It's a phone book, yeah, yeah. 
you know, Bill Cosby, same thing, you know, the late night nightcaps, uh, acting auditions, you know, it's like Stevie Wonder could see what's going on here. It is what it is. All right, let's talk about wrestlers and movies for a second. This was yes. a, a topic I wanted to broach real fast. And maybe we can talk for a second about, uh, let's start with El Harible up there. I had asked in terms of wrestlers in movies, El Harible, which wrestler do you think gave the best performance in a motion picture? Oh man, that's a tough one, but I have a definite answer and it's the undertaker in suburban commando. <laughs> I worked at a video store that, that VHS tape haunts me. Uh, why, why, why the undertaker? I, I mean, that's a joke. He literally was playing a bad guy and he had one line and it was like a baby saying the line. You're a dead, you're a dead man, Ramsey. Uh, but no, I, I was a real young kid when that movie came out and uh, I really loved Suburban Commando. Um, I know it's horrible and I'm not answering your question right, but no, no, no it's talks about Suburban Commando and I love that movie. Have you introduced it to your brothers and sisters? I know you're only 16, no. but. They no. really don't do, they haven't tried that. No, my older 17-year-old brother, I don't believe he's seen it. And my three-year-old sister, no, I'm waiting. But I, I, they will be introduced to Suburban Commando. I forgot to mention that, Earl. El Harible is only 16, so we have to watch what we say around him. Well, send him to Jeff Ross's house. There you go. <laughs> How dare you. Brian, wrestler oh. in a movie. Well, I thought, well, again, mine would have been uh, Roddy Piper, but I think that is uh oh well i had assumed everyone is everyone in agreement that it is roddy piper and they live 100 yeah but then i I was gonna say uh i would probably say george the animal steel and ed wood Ooh, that's a good one mr skakel i mean that's tough because i I was gonna go with piper but just i mean i've seen every wrestling movie or um, let me see. I mean, Andre the Giant and Princess Bride. Princess Bride, that's a great you know, one, too. Especially considering he could barely speak. Uh, like, his English wasn't the best. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, trying to think of some of the karate movies I've seen where there were wrestlers. Uh, I mean, yeah, Andre the Giant, probably. I looked it up. I, Ric Flair never did a movie, did he? I don't think there's a lot of parts available for a coked up 40 year old. <laughs> but I mean, like, you know, uh, Hogan got in a bunch of movies. You know, he was in Rocky three. I mean, yeah, that Rocky three is definitely a, uh, you know, it's a short scene. It's Thunder Lips. Um, Thunder Lips. You know, um, I, I mean, uh, well, I, I will also throw in uh, Jesse Ventura and Predator. Oh, Predator. Yeah. He's a good one. Yeah. I mean, the movie with the alien in the jungle. <laughs> I got, he got time to bleed. Yeah, I, I mean, he was up, really good. He was. He was awesome in that. One thing that blows... Well, let's talk about Roddy Piper, because you're connected to the great Roddy Piper because yes. you co-hosted his podcast. Uh, and, I mean, Brian and I saw Roddy Piper. They had a They Live reunion at Monster Mania at a horror convention, and it was 2014, I guess. I looked. It, it feels like it was... 1990 at some point, but it was only in 2014. I guess it was because he passed away in 2015, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, you go in there and it's a horror movie convention. So everybody's there to see John Carpenter. I believe it was the first They Live convention uh, on the East Coast, you know, and Carpenter had never, he was when he first started doing conventions. David Keith was there, right, Brian? Yeah. He didn't do the uh, 
uh, Carpenter wasn't at this Q and A. Well, you got to ruin was, my story. Couldn't we? Couldn't you just play along? Well, I mean, but it it's Meg Foster and uh, right. Keith David. Okay, was yeah, Meg Dave, Foster? David Keith was an American Gigolo. Did I get, did I get his name wrong too? Oh, David did Keith, I just uh, get it wrong? Not American Gigolo. Uh, officer, officer and a gentleman. God damn it! Anyway, you know what I'm talking about, right? My point yeah. being, now that I've ruined that totally in, uh, without facts. Roddy Piper, who uh, he just blew me away how funny he was. I mean, he took over the thing. Nobody else spoke from what I remember. <laughs> it was all Roddy Piper just telling stories. And, and not it was like, just they live stories. Like, you know, he was telling, you know, off the cuff, just like going nuts. Like, action movies in, in, in like Romania and just all this craziness. And it was... I mean, I've been to, we used to go to horror conventions all the time. That was by far the single greatest panel I've ever witnessed. And it was all because of Roddy Piper, who up until that point, I only knew him as a kid. You know, I loved him as a kid watching wrestling. And he, you know, with the coconut Jimmy Snuka, he was, but to see how funny he was. I mean, the other thing is I thought he was under the influence, but then again, I was pretty much almost blackout drunk, but, uh, so I guess it, I realized, like, oh, my God, this guy, he reminded me of a stand-up comic. How You yeah, guys are natural really storytellers and I able to hold a conversation on anything. How did you get hooked up with Roddy Piper? Well, Roddy would come to the comedy store, which is, you know, it's like the, trying to think, it's like the Madison Square Garden of comedy clubs or however you want to say it. It's, it's the comedy store and then everything else behind it. Uh, so he came up there, and I think at first he was a comedy fan. And then a comic by the name of Steve Simone would would kind of egg Roddy to go on stage and not do jokes, but just kind of freedom, free flow, uh, whatever came to his mind. And, uh, you know, he would kind of lose steam after 10 minutes because, you know, you'd think this guy's done wrestling promos in front of 80,000 people. But, you know, stand-up's a different it's just a different art form. It's, it's you're up there by yourself. Like you don't have a snooker next to you or a mean gene Okerlund guiding you through the, the humor. Uh, so we would all sit in the back and just yell out the craziest questions we could think of. And I would usually be the first question because <laughs> people were scared. You know, he was like a superhero to us. It was, he I would drive that, Yeah. You know, in the drive with comedy stores, a bit of a long driveway to get into the back lot. And he had like this Richard Gear American Gigolo type Mercedes, like an older model Mercedes. And like the, the seas parted for him. And then, uh, but people were scared because he was, you know, it was literally seeing a, a childhood superhero in the flesh. And so I'd ask him a stupid question. I'd yell out, hey, uh, was Kamala really from Uganda? <laughs> <laughs> he would have a funny story about Kamala. Uh, you know, and then I, I'll show this to you guys. I would say, hey, it was uh, Abdullah the Butcher uh, really from Sudan? And he would go into this great story about uh, a tag team match he had with Abdullah the Butcher where I forget who their opponents were, but uh, it's just Roddy and the two opponents. Abdullah was nowhere to be found, and Roddy whispered into one of their ears, I think we got to go into the parking lot. He's probably in the truck eating donuts. 
So they were <laughs> somehow with the camera crew, and you know, this is probably in the early '80s, so it's not like the high-tech 4K cameras. You know, some guy with this gigantic camera on his shoulder, and sure enough, they go out to the parking lot, and Abdullah the butcher was eating ribs in his car. <laughs> So he he just was an amazing storyteller, and uh, he was just filled. Abdul the Butcher scared the shit out of me as a kid. That was the one wrestler where I, Kamala I could take. Abdul the Butcher, seeing him in like Pro Wrestling Illustrated as a kid, and he you know just always bleeding. He freaked me out. But I, I wanted to play, and I don't think this is stolen from somewhere else. Go ahead. You I love say it. Or, oh well, no, I was just going to. I say, thought you were. So, um, uh, so one night I'm doing stand up in there, and when you're in the original room at the comedy store, you know, you're scared up there because the, it's a bright light in your face. You don't really see past the first two rows. And of course, my vision with these glasses, I barely see the first two rows. Uh, and I was really upset about um, how the WWE um, treated Sting. Uh, Sting's one of my favorite wrestlers. And, uh, you know, they totally jobbed him out. You know, because Vince McMahon is a very hard, he has a hard on for making any WCW wrestler look bad, especially Sting, because Sting never went over to the WWE mm. until this moment. So he's like, okay, you didn't want to work for me for the last 20 years? We're going to lose to Triple H and I'm going to embarrass you. So I was doing a story about how angry I was about fake wrestling. And Sorati's manager was like, hey, why don't you come in and do that story? And if it works out, maybe you can be the co-host because sometimes Roddy would lose his place. Uh, you know, he'd, he'd be telling a Sting story and then he'd just start talking randomly about Kerry Von Erich. Um, so they, they, you know, it worked out. We had good chemistry. Uh, the first time I did it, Roddy brought in six Red Bulls. And I just assumed three were for me, three were for him. So I reached for one and I started drinking. He's like, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, I... <laughs> I thought three were for me, three were for you. He's like, no, these are mine. Get your own. <laughs> uh, and we just had a lot of fun. And so that's how I got to be the co-host. And, uh, you know, we had some awkward moments for sure. Like the one, the probably the funniest story is when we had Greg Valentine on, you know, the hammer. I love uh, Greg Valentine. Uh, oh, he was great. He was a great bad guy. And I think he lived on a beach in South Carolina. So it wasn't the greatest reception. And so Roddy's going over. I think they had a dog collar match. And uh, Roddy all of a sudden just forgot what he was asking. And he just looks at me and he's like, Earl, ask him a question. And I had nothing prepared. And I just, <laughs> the first thing I, I hey, uh, Mr. Valentine, Mr. Hammer, uh, what you, what you think about the Billy and Chuck gay wedding? And uh, let's just say we couldn't air the answer. <laughs> <laughs> I want to play a real uh, a quick clip, and it's only like a minute, but I just thought it kind of captured how awesome Roddy Piper was, and uh, how awesome you were with him. Let me see if I can find it here. Here we go. It's the last one. Word association. <laughs> Most popular uh, part of our podcast last week was when I just gave you a couple names to say one word about. I'd like to uh, do that again with some names I didn't men mention. All right. All uh, right. So just, you know, uh, you know one, cent one word, one sentence. Uh, they're going to be very random. Okay. Name number one, Abdullah the Butcher. <laughs> Lazy draws a lot of money.
Great tits, though. Side, Great tits. <laughs> side, back, and front. Ted DiBiase. Hell of a man. He's the only one I believe that's a real minister. S.D. Jones. Great guy. Solid. The great nature boy, Ric Flair. <laughs> um, I love him. Adrian Adonis. Whoa, my brother. Uh, Jesse Ventura. Whoa, my other brother. Love him. Uh, Hulk Hogan. He's not my brother. <laughs> brother? <laughs> no, but... Uh, um... I'm glad he's doing well. Well, after that sex tape, I'm not sure who is. <laughs> oh, God. Sergeant Slaughter. Ah, he's the one of only two wrestlers I've ever allowed in my home. My kids call him Uncle Bob. Big John Studd. Was a gentle man, a wonderful man. Andre hated him and beat the shit out of him. <laughs> the aforementioned many times when you and I are in a room, Kamala. Oh, sweet man, taken advantage of. Gordon Soley. Ah, the original best play-by-play -play guy was the father of it. Well, I think that's a good name to end on. Cool. I loved all those. Was I supposed to say something bad about him? Oh, okay. You want all right? You want to, uh, Dr. D. David Schultz? Bully, piece of shit. Let's see, that's what fans want to hear. Uh, Honky-tonk man, an asshole. Tried to buy my name. Wayne Ferris. Tried to buy Rowdy Roddy Piper. <laughs> but I told him he's an asshole. He uh, knows it. I'm not hiding it. Well, that's an even better way to end the podcast. I, I mean, I don't know if we're ending the podcast. It's your podcast. I'm like, this is like a WCW takeover. Uh, I thought it'd be a cool thing. You know Oops, sorry. I was playing it again. I, I just thought that was awesome. Yeah, no, I mean, I... Uh... I think I noticed uh, some of the best uh, parts of Roddy on the podcast were when he would talk about his friends. So I thought in a like a, a loving way, you know, if I brought up people he liked, mixed in with one or two he didn't. Uh, like I knew he wasn't like the biggest fan of Hogan. So, But even with Hogan, you could tell. You know, anytime you mention someone to someone and they say, I'm glad they're doing well, they're not. So, um, I just love you brought up SD Jones. I mean, I have special delivery Jones. I love, love the that picture dude. of SD Jones. Uh, how racist was wrestling back then where they have him holding bongos? Like, <laughs> <laughs> true. Yeah. I, I mean, wanted, we, we were talking, uh, El Harible before we went live there. El Harible, we didn't go into to detail about this, but you had dealings with wrestlers as well but perhaps not as positive as Earl did. Yeah, um, I reached out to uh, Leon White, better known as Big Van Vader. When he, he announced that he had two years to live. Um, I thought I lived in the same area as him, and I just reached out on Twitter. I said, hey, is anyone documenting your life right now? And he said, no, Like, message me. And uh, we started a relationship just uh through email and phone conversations um i went down to one of the wrestlemanias uh the last one in orlando and uh we went to uh wrestlecon and i followed him for the entire weekend i went out to st louis when he went to go um uh 
fight for Harley Race's promotion while Harley Race was dying in the hospital. And man, he was the biggest pain in the ass to deal with. Um, I think a lot of these guys have just been fucked over their whole life by promoters and stuff like that, that they don't trust outsiders all that much. Uh, because I, you know, I, I, I was just looking to make a documentary. Um, and obviously, you know, I had a great subject, but, uh, he was just very, um, eerie or he was very like when, when he asks, why are we spending money to buy a camera? I kind of (laughs) realized like, well, we're doing a documentary and uh, we need a good camera because I think he thought, you know, why are we just using iPhones and all this stuff? Because I put a budget together and it just it just wasn't working out. And uh, unfortunately, I only got to make a trailer for a documentary before he died. Um, but uh, overall, he was a very nice man. But just business wise, we just couldn't see eye to eye. I think he was looking for a big payday and I was just looking to document his life. And, uh, in the end, we just couldn't make it work, but, uh, I had another experience with a wrestler. I was taught sex by Tito Santana. <laughs> Tito San- yes. Like health class. Well, uh, yeah, I was going to say not in the back of his van or anything, but yes, he was <laughs> my health teacher in high school. Uh, and it was awesome because everyone knew he was actually also my baseball my little league baseball assistant coach cuz his one of his sons was uh one of his sons was a year older than El Harible and one son was like a year younger and uh i uh he was like the nicest guy uh in the world and he would he would bring out dental dams and teach us how to use a dental dam and then he would go does anyone have any questions does anyone have any questions and i would always raise my hand and he'd go brother if this is about wrestling save it after class <laughs> sorry mr tito we just called him tito uh and uh yeah he he was uh he was a good guy that was a different experience uh i i love tito santana sorry but, i uh, stepped on your joke there man that was that was shitty of me. no you're fine no now no, did uh did i mean learning sex from tito santana did it have any long-lasting effects on your psyche in any way is it so is that why you're wearing the wrestling mask and no. is that how you may have conceived children no, so Tito, you know, it was all very technical sex education. There was no, you know, Tito was, he was a no-nonsense guy, honestly. Like, very nice guy, but uh, like I said, he, you know, if you had wrestling questions, he would answer. Because he would, you know, he'd be like, does anyone have any questions about safe sex? And I'd go, you know, I'd raise my hand. He'd go, yeah. And I'd be like, when you and Rick Martell were in strike force, And he'd be like, no, brother, no, brother, we're not doing that now. And But, uh Yeah. So those those are my two uh, wrestler interactions in my life. One good, one bad. I mean, overall, Earl, did you ha- did you have a positive or have positive experiences with most of the wrestlers you encountered over the years? Or oh yeah, I mean, I did a comedy show last week at the comedy store with a bunch of AEW wrestlers because they had a show uh, at the forum and uh, Dolph Ziggler, who's a WWE, and his brother. It's the Hollywood hunk in AEW. They put on a stand-up show at the store, and uh, just I've I've had very few. I can't think of one bad experience I've had with a wrestler. Uh, That's good to hear. Um, you know, did did uh, the Iron Sheik roast, and uh, he, the Sheik's awesome. I mean, he's so wacky that they told me because uh, I'm a big Rick Rude fan. I'm like, hey, I'll just come out as Rick Rude and roast everyone, and I did. And, 
but they were like, hey, why don't you dress up as the ultimate warrior just to get a rise out of the sheik? And I'm like, you know, I have a great body for a comic, but I don't look like the fucking ultimate warrior. In any capacity, I mean, maybe when he was like seven years old. But um, so my friend Jordan uh, put the makeup on. He's like a makeup artist, and uh, he got me the the arm tassels, and uh, I wore a uh, really a, a pretty revealing red pair of speedos hiked up i mean i looked like i had a 12 inch dick everything was jammed in there and so i walk into the back uh the the green room of the main room of the comedy store and the sheik tried to fight me because he thought i was the ultimate warrior that's awesome yeah no it was amazing david arquette was the the sheik was another guy that did a bunch of conventions uh kind of around the time when he started coming on stern a little bit so he was making the rounds and that's the only autograph I've ever paid for, like in a and and it was simply because we knew it was going right to like he was getting beers every ten minutes, so we knew <laughs> it was going to his beer. Yeah, fund, he would leave so the like, he would leave the table because it was like an outdoor tent thing, and he would just he would chug. I've never seen a guy consume beer like, and I can drink beer. And we actually was, gave him beer because we, we, we were degenerates remember. walking around with beers in a backpack because we could just walk around with beer, and we gave one of our beers to Sheik. Can't wait oh, till my geez. kids see this. He's awesome. Uh, so I think uh, th- I got this autograph. This is the only other time I cried at the flare roast when uh, I walked by Lex Luger's booth. And, uh, you know, Lex Luger had this, you know, my God, amazing body. And, uh, you know, he's, he's pretty jacked right now, uh, you know, in a wheelchair and very skinny and gaunt. And uh, he was selling a doll for $200. And I'm like, I know this is going directly to his medical costs. It's not going to, you know, booze or whatever else so uh i i get this doll and uh he says young man do you want me to sign it and i'm like oh no i don't want to put you through any trouble because you have to open to sign it you have to open this thing up and you know you have to like do that and it's the whole production for a guy who's in a fucking wheelchair and uh i'm telling you he took a pen a lot bigger than this and he grabs it like this and i'm like oh this is gonna be a pretty jacked autograph that's fine here's the 200 bucks and it's the most i don't know if you can see it but it's the most perfect autograph like yep and i i started crying again and i'm like hey thanks a lot mr luger i'm a big fan and uh you know he's like let's take a picture young man i'm like dude we're probably about the same age so uh (laughs) And I'm like, I said to his handler, just take the picture because I'm about to lose it. So, uh, you know, was he so have like, thing of, go ahead, have like, Alvin, sorry. So the two most depressing people I saw at WrestleCon were Bobby Heenan and Lex Luger, just because you knew what they were, you know, at their prime. Is Lex Luger, was he have like MS or something like that? I mean, if I could guess, because I have a brother-in-law with severe MS, uh, and they're very similar condition, you know. Uh, it's shocking. Like, I had no idea until I saw him. Like, I was like, hey, that guy looks really, f- oh, whoa, that's Lex Luger. Yeah. yeah. I was very, you know, similar to the Magnum TA story. I'm just, you know, I was overwhelmed because there's probably, uh, it was this huge convention hall and there's probably a hundred wrestlers who I recognized, you know, from the Nasty Boys to, um you know, Virgil's, you know, fumbling around trying to sell a phone app. Uh, Is anyone in Virgil's booth? 
Uh, yeah, me. Uh, <laughs> I once uh, I went to a convention and Virgil was there, and the girl I was dating knew, like you know, was a fan of Virgil and wanted a picture. <laughs> and then, and I just he was like, yeah, sure. And then he asked us for money, which I was oh, just no. like, I was like, well, I'm not paying for it. Like you know, so we just walked away from him. Like I mean, you know, I wasn't gonna well, pay yeah. for Virgil. I mean, he's managed by the Chiefs manager, so like, uh, I mean, this uh, was almost 20 years ago so or at yeah least 22 I mean, years ago i mean he's got boogers in his nose that like bro you gotta wipe your fucking nose like, <laughs> this is and so the sheik's manager made him sign a picture to, for me and he's like 30 bucks he's like no this guy's a friend he gets it for free and like you would have thought i stabbed him uh, <laughs> oh, yeah so Virgil's infamous it. for that like he's, it's that picture of him where he's posing like this, and he's got the red and white like leggings, and you can see how big his dick is. He's, he has a huge dick, and he he his autograph was right by his dick. <laughs> so when I take it to my frame store, when I get back home, you know the guy at the frame store is gay, and he's like, well, "I bet you love this picture." I'm like, "Not really." <laughs> I was I was gonna play it, but I've already had you guys on for forever. I don't want to cake up your whole night. But Billy Jack Hayne, remember Billy Jack, who was briefly oh. in the. I, he was like a superhero to me as a kid, and and we're talking like you know why some of these guys weren't in action movies nonstop. I mean, Billy Jack was a huge dude, but uh, you see him today, and he, he's you know unfortunately age and whatever else. It's like a, it's like a different person. There was a, I guess, a famous story where he beat up Iron Mike Sharp and Greg Valentine talks about it and Billy Jack responds. I won't play the whole thing because it goes on for like 11 minutes. But one thing I wanted to ask you, Earl, with Roddy Piper and They Live, like we all agree that it's the best performance uh, by a wrestler uh, in a film. But even beyond that, I mean, They Live is now considered a classic. Roddy Piper just knocks that movie out of the park and he does it at a time when the hero or the superheroes or the action heroes are arnold schwarzenegger and stallone you know the big jacked up dudes not that roddy piper was a small guy but he was sort of like the fact that he didn't become a superstar in film after that has always confused me do you have any theories as to why that was that was a big movie he was well received i mean maybe it had mixed reviews and didn't do big business but he he kind of goes from that to hell comes to frogtown i never really understood why he wasn't doing a pictures after that i mean and there's a lot of pressure on uh, carpenter for that movie because uh you know he had had a couple bombs in a row so yeah. uh, you know, and, and that's at the time, and I guess it's still like this today, like, you know, you, you have one or two bombs, you're done. Like, mm. it's just, whether you're an action hero, comic star, um, you know, so uh, I forget what movie Carpenter had uh, um, done, but I think Big Trouble in Little China, and it... it that was right before that, and he might have done Memoirs, Memoirs of an Invisible Man invisible around that man. time. And, and like Chevy the Chase. village, or, or the, was it the village? No, The Damned? yeah. The village, so, uh, the little kid movie, had, had a few bombs, semi bombs, back to back to back. So there was a tremendous amount of pressure for they live to do well. You know, in terms of, uh, yeah, you're right. I agree. I mean, he should have been a bigger, uh, you know, action star. I could guess that Vince McMahon might have had a hand in that. Maybe, okay. you know, this is when wrestling was. You know, it was big, but I could see Vince McMahon saying that I want to cut it. If you're going to do a movie, I want to cut. Mm -hmm. And, you know, 
it doesn't make sense because he was a pretty good actor. Like, uh, there was definitely potential there. I mean, and then like the fact that Steven Seagal comes along a few years later. Yeah. Why isn't that Roddy Piper? Or you know, they they even tried to uh, make Jeff Speakman a who was a, (laughs) and I love the Perfect Weapon. That is a that is a guilty pleasure movie of mine uh, because Earl as a. as a collector of toys, do you have a John Nada figure? I don't. I I, I just got I'm new one. to collecting like a... dolls. Uh, or, or I got yelled at at the wrestling convention because um, when I bought this Sid Vicious uh, thing, I said, I'll take that Sid Vicious doll. And a bunch of people looked at me, and the guy behind the counter was like, don't call it a doll. Call it an action figure. You're going to hurt my sales. Um, so... Don't use your eyes. I'm surprised Sid didn't get uh, acting work. Um, mm. you know, yeah, all those guys. Was... There's a whole bunch of them. You think they would? They would naturally would have been in all those like canon at least B movies to start off with. But it never. I, you know, maybe it was Vince McMahon. The, the, the ones they pick are like the ones that make it are the ones that I'm like, why are? Why is it them? You know, like I, that's what I don't get. Like, hey, Terry Funk was in uh, Roadhouse. Oh yeah. Oh, that was a good one though. I forgot about and, that. And over the top. Yep. Over the top. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Cutler's not done talking to you. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, you know, it, it's especially in that time frame from, say, Commando to Lethal Weapon, uh, there was always a role for a gigantic just freak. Uh, Hell yeah. So, you know, some guys can't act. You know, I, I you know, so, but, you know, back in the 80s, I don't know. If you know, your acting skill was, you know, really... You didn't need to. It was more about yeah, like, the, the action of the movie rather than the actor. I mean, come on, Jean-Claude Van Damme was a action hero. But, you know, one of my favorite actors from that time frame was breaking out a little bit from wrestling is Tex Cobb. Uh, oh, yeah. You know... Raising was, Arizona. Uncommon Valor. Oh, Uncommon yeah. Uncommon Valor. He was awesome. That's my favorite war movie. And most people... Uh, it's kind of forgotten. Gene Hackman, that's a great movie. Oh, it's kind of uh, like a dirty dozen. I mean, it's, it's got the yeah. best training sequence ever. Fred Ward, the yeah, dude with the sway, knife, uh, and Red Brown for you, like yeah. '80s. You know, uh, I mean, Red Brown's kind of a deep cut, but uh, you know, he was, uh, you know, he was in my favorite. My favorite movie of all time, and it's a weird one, is a surf movie. I don't surf. Uh, called Big Wednesday, and oh. uh, John Milius, right? Yeah, John Milius. Uh, and John Milius, I think he has something to do with Uncommon Valor off the grid. Uh, I think he might have yeah. ghostwritten some of it. Um, that makes sense. That's, yeah, it smells about right. Because he did the same thing for Apocalypse Now, where yes. I forget that if you look in the writer's credits, there's a weird name that doesn't... You're like, who? And it's it's Milius. Um, and, he re- and he wrote the, uh, the speech in Jaws that uh, Shaw yeah. says... Quint. I tried to get him on my podcast. Uh, you know, I, I take swings. I, I figure he's never going to do it, but uh, I guess he has. You know, it's really sad. He has trouble speaking because of the yeah. stroke. Mm. It's just so mind blowing to me that uh, someone who's so uh, eloquent with words can now, you know, he has trouble speaking. So, mm. uh, but uh, yeah, I'm a big Red Brown guy. You know, he didn't. He was the original Captain America on TV. Uh, yeah, that shitty show on CBS. But uh, 
I was going to say, I, I came across one of your random, I like your podcast because it's random. And yes. uh, I, I'm going through the YouTube and, oh wait, I should put that shit back up again, shouldn't I? I'm so bad. Please, I need that. the promotion, guys. I'm Patreon horrible. too, you got a Patreon going. It's uh, it's a, it's in, uh, not in training, but it's a work in progress, my Patreon. Uh, I do believe I, I offer more than most people in terms of content, but it's still... Uh, I, apparently, if you search my name, Earl Skakel, on Patreon, it doesn't show up because it's not. I think I put it's uh, not kid friendly, so I'm. It's there's a little oh, bit of work. I don't I know. I have the link. I'll put the link okay. indirectly once once we're up, and you can also your Twitter's up there, and the Patreon link is also at the top of your your Twitter profile. But you interviewed, right? I was I was going through, and I was like, wait, who is this this woman? She looks familiar. Uh, let me play it for you right now. It was a great interview. Also, it, it was a little weird. Oh, Jenny Wright? Jenny Wright. Yeah. Oh, wow. Near Dark. The greatest vampire movie ever made. And she gives an Oscar-worthy performance in that movie. Like, she's the heart of that movie. And she was so enchanting and, like, angelic. And l let me just play. This is her. I, I think you, would, you were just talking about Nighthawks and Rutger yeah. Hauer and how Stallone was. I love Nighthawks. Nighthawks oh, and Sharky's Machine are, the, are the, just are the best. Oh, my God. And so uh, then you ask her, did you have any uh, uh, bad experiences with other actors or actresses uh, on the set? Or, and she tells this. It's pretty, it's pretty interesting, pretty revealing. Yeah. Did you ever have that, Ginny, on a movie? And you don't have to mention names, but like maybe a, a co-star wasn't nice to you. So in the, the scenes you had with them, you, it was a little extra oomph in them for you? You don't have to name names. If you want to, you can. But like, I don't remember her mentioning anything like that to me. I don't think there was. Well, that's good then. No, the only the only problem I had was with the makeup and wardrobe departments. <clears throat> was it a thing like they tried to make you too cute, or I mean, because obviously you are and very beautiful now and and back then as well. Was it? Do they try and bimbo you up, I guess, for lack of a Absolutely. Word? Absolutely. And my lifestyle in my own life was such that I was I was showing up on the set in not good condition. Right. I mean, as my career escalated, I was having pro I was starting to have problems. And um and uh, they, the makeup and hair people were at the brunt of that pro of that problem of sure. trying to fix that problem every day. When and I don't mean to like uh, uh, be a vulture, but I just thought it was very interesting. I mean, she goes on there and, and explains that she had uh, problems with substance abuse and that she ran into that makeup person years later and, and had the opportunity to apologize to her. But that whole scenario, I mean, you talked to her about Crime Story, the great Michael Mann uh, television show, uh, which I, I, I don't even remember her being on, but it's a great interview. But how did that come together? Because the scene there is a little interesting. She has that gentleman sitting next to her. It's... I mean, I'm a, you know, she was in, uh, you know, what a start of her career. Like, I think uh, the first movie she was in was The World According to Garp, which was with Robin Williams. She's playing the co-lead. 
Her next film is uh, the Pink Floyd, the Wall movie. Like, uh, so I don't think there's ever been an actress who bam, bam, out of the shoot like that. And then she did this kind of obscure movie that is a kind of a loose sequel to Fast Times called The Wildlife. Wildlife. Yeah. With, with, with Chris Penn, with right? Chris Penn. Chris Penn, oh, yeah. and, uh, great cast. The, uh, the guy who plays the horny cop. Uh, is Ellis from Die Hard, uh, the great Hart Bachner. Um, uh, and the, if you remember the movie, there's a scene in a uh, convenience store where the clerk uh, it recognizes Chris Penn. And he's like, oh, you're Tom Drake. Uh, that guy uh, was Dean Devlin, who uh, I think oh, wow. he did like the Godzilla movie. And, yeah, and he's, like, a he's a huge. Um, she was in that. And just like, I don't know how to like so cute like maybe the most beautiful cute i mean like find her in the wildlife it's it's just like i she's undescribably so beautiful in that movie um and maybe there was just a bit of innocence so i i gotta be honest with you i i welled up interviewing her because and you know she looks fine now but you could tell you know the business chewed her up Mm. Uh, she was also in a great, probably my favorite actor of all time is this character actor by the name of John Glover. I just worked with him. He's an awesome dude. Like he was, if I have a second favorite movie, if I can go a one a it's, I like obscure movies. It's a movie called 52 pickup. Oh my, yeah. oh my God. Yes. Where Roy Scheider, man. You talk about a great cast. Clarence Williams, the third, uh, Robert Trabor is like the nerdy, sweaty. Like, and Margaret. Yeah, I mean, uh, who else? Uh, and, and some other, uh, you know, Elmore Leonard novel, Frankenheimer yep. directing. Like, that's one of the great, to me, what if movies, like, or why, why was this movie not bigger? Um, because you had, uh, not Lethal Weapon, uh, Fatal Attraction come out about a year later. Which kind of the same plot, you know, blackmail and sex and, uh, you know, that became a huge, you know, $100 million plus movie. Um, but Jenny was in a movie called The Chocolate War with John Glover, um, which came out, I think, in 88. And it's a great indie movie about a uh, Catholic, a boys school. And John Glover plays the villainous pre, the head brother. And he's forcing the students to sell chocolate. And uh, Jenny was in that movie. And uh, slightly older from the wildlife, you know, four years. But, like, God damn, was she beautiful. Like, mm. So the interviewer, and, I, you know, the guy I think she was with is her boyfriend. And I, no offense to him. I don't know if he added a lot to the interview. But um, I, I think she doesn't do a lot of interviews. Uh so he's was that like a security blanket type deal going on i think so okay. uh and he was fine he, you know i i, I would have preferred just me and her uh just because um I, I felt awkward like well maybe i should ask him something but i i don't know who he is like um but you know she was nice enough to do it uh yeah and she doesn't do a lot of interviews and she kind yeah. of disappeared i mean she's it was like 1998 and then she was kind of just gone uh so i thought it was just as as a fan of you know that era I thought that was a great interview. Oh, I mean, uh, well, she she told me in the interview at another point that, uh, you know, because Crime Story was a great Michael Mann show. Uh, 
I think it was ultimately it was just too much money to to make. You know, it was like a million dollars an episode, uh, which back then was insane. Uh, and she, I said, why didn't you ever do Miami Vice? Like that, it seemed like you could have been uh, like the cute girlfriend of, of a drug dealer. And, and she's like, I, I told Michael Mann no, because I didn't like how women were portrayed on that show. And like, that's how like brilliant she was in, from the standpoint of, she told Michael Mann no to the hottest show on TV because she didn't like the character arc. And, uh, you know, you might call it brilliant, you might call it stupid. Uh, she had her uh, principles and she's yeah, 40 convinced. years ahead of time. She's like, no, nah, I'm not going to go prance around in a bikini with Don Johnson. Which is, it's, speaking of Michael Mann, I have to, I know we all have to go. I mean, I don't have to go, but I'm sure you guys have to do uh, I've gotten on this kick of watching the old Robert Yurk show, Vegas. Vegas uh, wow. And I had no idea Michael Mann created that. So I had, I, I, I had no idea either. Wow. No kidding. It's, it, well, it's a weird pairing of, you know, the seriousness of Michael Mann and what he does for films. You know, it's, it's like, you know, that one scene in Heat where De Niro uh, comes into the hotel room and, uh, Charlotte, no, was it Charlotte's? No, uh, the Judd sister. Uh, which Judd Ashley Judd. Oh, no, yeah, and, Ashley. And he hits the hangers because uh, he's pissed at her for fucking around behind Val Kilmer. Get I guess they, they did that scene. It took like 10 hours to do because Michael Mann didn't like the sound the hangers were making. So that's how in the just filmmaking he is. And it it's weird to see him create a TV show and Aaron Spelling produce it because I, I don't imagine Aaron Spelling had that level of detail. So it, it's probably kind of a, not. But uh, it Vegas was really uh, it's it's kind of like a, almost a precursor to Miami Vice, but you know just one cop and set in Vegas. And I'd argue that Crime Story is sort of the it's a it's an early indication of the prestige television that would come to HBO years later, you know, with like Oz, the the Sopranos and The Wire. Like the Crime Story is a little microcosm of that. I remember watching that with my, like that was the, the show I was like proud to watch with my old man. You know what I mean? It was like it was kind of dark for the time for whatever was on NBC. But but all right, here's the last thing we'll do because poor El Harible is going to pass out up there. You all right, El Harible? Oh, I'm fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Can good. I just say one more thing about Crime Story, El Harible? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, well, if you remember the dumb sidekick to Ray Luca, you know, Anthony Dennison was an actor by the name of John Santucci. And uh, John Santucci was a real life jewel thief. Uh, so if you ever saw the movie Thief. Thief, oh, yeah. They actually used in the scenes of uh, breaking into the uh, safes and, and the banks, they used John Santucci's actual tools. And he was the technical consultant. So when he got on Crime Story, Dennis Farina was a real-life Chicago cop who had actually arrested John Santucci in real life. So uh, there's a great – you know, what I love about Michael Mann is he uses the same actors in a lot of his mm. projects. So, like, uh, even in Heat, when Val Kilmer goes to buy the musician, the munitions, he buys it from Izzy, who was uh, Miami Vice. He was the CI from Miami Vice. I love seeing, like, character actors get work. The recurring characters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. 
All right, here's a Michael Mann tier list we're going to do. So what we'll do here, uh, real quickly, I guess, I've got all of Michael Mann movies, Michael Mann's movies, plus uh, a couple, plus Crime Story, Miami Vice, and then that early version of Heat that he did. And so what we'll do is have LA uh, Shakedown or something like that. LA, LA Shakedown. Shakedown. Yeah. So maybe what we'll do is have Earl and El Harible, uh, our wonderful guests, try to rank these. And if you can't Uh-oh. agree on a movie, Brian will be the uh, the tiebreaker. A good time to tell you, I don't know any of these movies or even watch movies. So, all right, so we'll have Brian do it then. And El Harvey, well, I'll be the tiebreaker. Who was the guy you're talking about? Michael Mann, the director of Heat, Thief. No, well, I, I got to no. give a shout out to El Harible's shirt, Columbia House. I used to do the 10, oh, thank you. The 12 hits CDs for a cent. For, uh, what was it, 10, 10 tapes for a, a penny? And then, you know, you would just like, uh, Get a, a CD burner and copy them and send them back. Yep. Uh, the shirt says 12 hits for just one cent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you, you would get 12 CDs in the mail. And then if you didn't send them back, they would charge you pretty much. I'm pretty sure or that's no, odd. Well, you got the first 12. And then after that, they started sending you random discs in the mail. Yes. And if you did not send those back, that's when you got, that's where the scam was. But the, this was in the early days of uh, uh, CD burners, uh, which sure. So I would go to like I think it was Good Guys or Circuit City or Sam Goody, one of those, and you'd buy a CD burner, which at the time was the most amazing technology. <laughs> like it, it would be the equivalent of today an iPhone 14 Super Pro, uh, and you'd burn the CDs and then send them back so you wouldn't get charged. There you go. So stupid. All right, here we go. Okay. If I can do this, I'm going to share that. Can you guys all see that? Yes. Yes, sir. One thing I'll go back is I'll make it a little, little bigger so people can see. I don't think I've seen any of these movies. I'm I've horrible. seen them all. When, er, when Earl said before his favorite movie was a surf movie, I thought he was going to say the exact same movie as me, Chairman of the Board, starring <laughs> Carrot Top. Well... I do have a second favorite surf movie in it, but that's uh, the Great North Shore. Oh, so yeah, I've never seen that one. Oh, you look into it. It's about a guy who moves to Hawaii, uh, wins the uh, the Pipeline Classic, and he 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 only learned how to surf in Arizona in a wave pool. So it's a little ridiculous. El Harible's parents stole cable in the '90s, so the only movies he's really seen are the ones that replayed constantly on Showtime, Cinemax, and HBO in the uh, early '90s to early 2000s. Hard ticket to Hawaii. Mm, I don't know that one. Fat Beach. (laughs) Great surf movie. (laughs) All right, so I'll have I'll have uh, it'll be Spears versus. uh, Am I still sharing it? Are you guys seeing it full screen? All right, sorry, sorry, sorry. I'll do Spears versus Earl, and we'll go in order. Uh, so, Thief, where are you going to put it? You can put. I should go through the categories first. So it's the masterpiece. Ha ha, get it? Excellent, nope. meh, nope. never saw it, and awful. So, you, Earl, where would you put Thief? A masterpiece. Brian, do you concur? Agreed. Agreed. Mm. All right. Never saw it. Never. Here's saw the it. other thing. <laughs> How many masterpieces can we have? How about we limit? You want to limit it to two to make this really hard, or maybe I don't know. Three. It's getting late. Three? Three, okay. Then the keep, which I, I've never seen it. Never saw it. I never saw it. I uh, see. I would say meh. I guess meh rules out. Yeah. 
This one, the, the TV show, Miami Vice. Mr. Skakel, where would you put this? Well, this is a tough one because um, I would say the first two seasons, masterpiece. Uh, now, if you're going, you have to include seasons four and five. I would say excellent. Mr. Spears? Never saw it. Uh, see, again, this was not, this was like a, a show when I was in high school or a little younger. Um, and I thought it was kind of douchey. Well, here's the thing. Seasons one and two were Excellent. so yeah. good. And then when the, speaking of character actors, John Deal, who played Larry oh, Zito. Awesome. Awesome. And, and, and had Glenn Fry in a major role. Smugglers oh, Blues. But when John Deal left the show midway through season three, the show suffered because it lost a little bit of the comic relief. So, uh, you know, seasons four and five, I believe, was when Michael Mann left to do Crime Story. So the show kind of suffered. Um, but it, it overall, I'll say excellent. All right. I mean, I don't want to argue with our guests, but I mean, please, please. All right. Well, then I'm saying, man. Okay. I'm gonna put I'm gonna put an excellent because I don't want Earl to beat me up. All right. Crime Story. Never um, saw it. <laughs> I, I'm going to say ahead of its time. Excellent. Mr. Spears? I would agree with that. All right. Great. Another note. Again, all about character actors. You didn't see that oh, yes. on, on pretty TV. LA Takedown. I've never seen this. It's this, Well, this is a tough one because, you know, it was, this movie is basically a test run for heat. It's, yeah. But it's Literally, the TV version of it. it. Yeah, I mean, the only here's a little bit of trivia. The only actor to be in both is the great Xander Berkeley. Um, okay. I, I can't. Oh boy, it's awful. Like yeah, it's, it, it's awful. It's because and <laughs> it's TV why, before it was TV. Like it, it, it was too TV. Yeah, I mean, I want to almost say meh, but you know when you realize what it later became heat. And so you're comparing Alexander McCarthy to Robert De Niro. Yeah. So it, it's, it just can't it's a guilty bad. pleasure, but it's awful. Manhunter, the first Hannibal Lecter movie. Uh, L.R.E. Blay? Never saw it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my turn. Yes. Uh, you know, ahead of its time, you know, really, like you said, the first Hannibal Lecter movie, Great cast. I'll say excellent. Got an excellent. Brian, do you yeah, agree? I mean, it's, it's, it has the full version of Indigata Vita. I think it's really good. I'd put it at excellent. And uh, just for you Miami Vice freaks, uh, the guy who plays the realtor in the one scene with William Peterson, Detective Stan Switek from Miami Vice. <laughs> All right, last of the Mohegans. El Harible? Never saw it. Earl Skakel? Never saw it. No kidding. Brian? See, if we had overrated, I would say that. Um, So I'll put it in the meh. I agree. That is that that was a somehow took over the culture. I I didn't really get it. Uh, Okay, Heat. This is easy, right? Oh, masterpiece. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. No, no, it's easy because it is a masterpiece. El Harible? Uh, You know my answer. I mean, it's very rare that a movie is that long because it is a very long movie. Uh, that it was two I VHSs. Still, I I can still watch it and not get bored. Oh yeah. I make my right. little nephews ten watch that uh, 
street shootout all the time. Which I believe was a spin on the I ninth I oh boy, I don't know the year, but it was the it was North in California, Ridge. right? It happened yeah, it in California. North- I think the Northridge bank robbery. I don't know if it was ninety four or ninety eight, but it was a wild, like terrifying. That one, it was yeah. just two guys, and you couldn't put them down because they had full body, and they were taking headshots from police bullets, not even moving. I hate to say it, it is very satisfying when those two guys finally get it. Tom yeah. Sizemore, how good is Tom Sizemore in Heat? And Val Kilmer. Oh, I mean that's the last movie Tom Sizemore looked like Tom Sizemore. Yeah. Mm. The Insider almost has a cult following. Um, well, I'm a big Wings Hauser guy. Uh, speaking of, you know, all-time great character actors. Uh, and he was, I believe, the attorney in that. The attorney, uh, yeah. I'll say excellent. I'll agree. I mean, I have a guilty play. I could even put that as a masterpiece, but I, yeah. I could say that's more excellent. I think that's, like, s- such a great little... I watch that actually a lot. I watch that probably once a year. Oh, I can't Blair? argue with uh, Masterpiece, though. Like it, It's a great, great movie. Yes, yeah, uh, I'd put that up there, Masterpiece. Oh, do you guys agree on that? I would kind of say, I don't know. I'm not a big fan of it. But are you guys both saying Masterpiece? That's your third I, I Masterpiece? Think we, I think it's a, a safe spot at Excellent. I'm saying Excellent, but like, you know... Uh, it's a great movie. So, you know, if someone said, hey, man, it's a masterpiece, I wouldn't be like, fuck you, man. Will Smith Ali. I've seen this one. What do you say, El Harible? It was awful. <laughs> we got one awful. It was uh, that, um, what is that other? I hate these bio movies. Like bio the Pixar. Ray Charles one. It was Ray Charles without the piano. Yeah, there's almost <laughs> never been a good biopic. They both or- had Jamie Foxx. Right. I mean, this is a tar- I'm a, you know, when it's a bio picture, I, I'm a real, uh, I don't know, I don't know, nut swingers coming to mind. I don't think that's the right word. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> don't tell uh, me you cried at Ali. No, I, well, I'm a big, I'm a huge 70s heavyweight boxing fan because it, it was just, an amazing when you look at this is a long way to explain my answer but uh when you look at the 70s you had a prime ollie a prime foreman a, a prime frazier and even the second tier guys were like any other era their champions uh ken norton uh, mm. my favorite all-time ron lyle uh and i, I the ollie ron lyle fight is an amazing fight especially when you consider ron lyle was in prison for seven years for murder and so they didn't really, they just kind of glossed over a lot of all these good fights. So I, I, uh, I'll go meh. Brian, so we got one meh, one awful. I'm You're the decider. With, uh, I'm agreeing with El Harrible. It's awful. How dare you overrule Earl Skakel? It's, I'm sorry. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a Will Smith movie over an Ali movie. If you're going to watch anything, it's, uh, what is it, When We Were Kings or whatever? The, uh, the documentary. The documentary. You're going to replace yeah. Jeff Ross in all his uh, zingers there. <laughs> hey, El Horrible is... Yeah, he started. I'm only 16, so I don't appreciate the <laughs> 70s. Funny your Collateral. Same Sorry, I... Jeff Ross. <laughs> Sorry. Collateral, Tom Cruise. Taxi driver movie. And, and, and Jamie Foxx, right? Yep. Oh, it must be Adam one. Sandler. 
All right, uh, El Haribla, you didn't see it? No, I think I did see this one. Wait, was Adam Sandler supposed to play Tom Cruise or Jamie Foxx's no, part? He would have been Jamie Foxx. Okay. Uh, I mean, I'm just going to put it in meh because I don't. I remember I've seen it, but I don't know. I'm with you. Earl yeah, I'll, you know, I, I'm a, you know, obviously we all love Michael Mann, but uh, you know, this one was just there. I mean, Tom Cruise is a great actor, and, and Jamie Foxx, I think, in certain, you know, I don't think he did a good job playing Ricardo Tubbs, but I'm a nitpicker. Uh, I'm a Philip Michael Thomas nut swinger. Um, it's meh. Brian, I get well. We got two mess, so that's that's it. Yeah, right? I would agree with Matt. <clears throat> Excuse me. It was more over the style, the way they filmed it on a cheap camera, and I didn't really care about that. I mean, like still, these are these are better than like any of those goddamn oh, yeah. Avenger movies. We should just also. I do out. think so far the two masterpiece movies we have up there for Michael Mann are like beyond just good. great Michael Mann movies. Well, in Thief, I will say this. I think, you know, and this is a generation thing. I I, I think if you showed a a 20 to 30-year-old group of kids or adults, whatever that is, Thief, they would be bored because it's it's great acting. Um, There's no special effects. There's no, like, you know, the bank robbing scenes. Jimmy Khan. James Khan. Jimmy Khan and and just Dennis Farina and and Santucci. Yeah, I mean, and and the guy who plays the, the... the older yeah, actor. what's his what's his name? I, oh, I'm drawing. He's a got blank, a, but... a Polish name, right? Yeah, he's in Robert Prosky Village. Is it, yes, was he Robert Pope Prosky. Pro- yeah. Oh, he's uh, so good in that. He was great. I mean, really. And then Hope Lang was was awesome. Uh, like, to just it's Willie Nelson. Awesome. Yeah, I mean Willie Nelson. I mean, it's really. Uh, but I think today's generation would like CGI and fucking car crashes and and. And shit like put that. him asleep. Yeah, unfortunately. Miami Vice. I remember having high hopes. I mean, after Heat, it was like appointment viewing to see everything in the theater for Michael Mann. And I was really psyched to see uh, Miami Vice. But Earl Skakel, what do you what do you think? Well, I was such a fan of the TV show um, that I had very high hopes uh, for the film i had high hopes for the cameos maybe of, of you know certain cast members off oh, i go awful it was if you're a fan of the tv show it's it's horrible it's just it came off like bad voice three yes mm. brian or two, whatever awful. bad voice it was four. exact same reasons it wasn't the tv show and you thought it was going to be it was very bad el haribla do you concur never saw it <laughs> This one, uh, Public Enemies with Can I Johnny say one Depp. more thing about Miami Attacking. Vice, the movie? Absolutely. I completely understand that. And what, what year did that come out? 2004 or something? Oh, I'm not even sure. It sounds about Somewhere right. around that range, though. I totally understand you can't do a complete homage to a, an 80s TV show that was really famously called this is just like an hour music video with the you know but the fact that they there was no homage to the tv show i thought was why i didn't like it at least put don johnson in as a a detective you know or, or the sergeant you know he could have been like the, the the older you know couple scenes or throw fucking philip michael thomas a bone he hasn't acted since the last episode uh <laughs> And, you know, Edward, you know, the I forget who played Castillo. He's a pretty famous black character actor. Uh, 
he was no uh, Edward James almost. So it was just, yeah. and they're in a Swiatek and Zito were minimalized beyond belief, which they were a huge part of the TV show. So, uh, you know, I don't know what Michael Mann. You know, also, I, I was I burnt out with Colin Farrell at that time. He was sort of losing his luster. He had hit the scene hard, and then that was kind of the end of his. Uh, the movie's just flat. So, yeah, so no. some of this, the, the latter day, I don't know, Michael Mann. What he, I don't know. He sort of, I don't know. He gets a little flat because Public Enemies. This is another one on paper. I mean, Johnny Depp, Christian Bale, and Don Fry. For God's sakes, and they, they put yes. they put an MMA guy who just looks the part. But I don't know. This I saw it once and I never saw it again. What do people I think? Ne- uh, I never saw it. Never saw it. Uh, El Haribe? Well, I'm big fans of Rocco Rock and Johnny Grunge of Public Enemy and ECW. I have not seen this movie. So, uh, Brian, what do you say? I, I would. I was meh or awful. I don't. I mean, we'll just put it at meh. I'll give it a meh. Out, out of respect for Don Fry. And then. The Predator. That's uh, he he does that podcast with uh Dan Severin. <laughs> Toxic masculinity, I think it's called. It's worth giving a probably the most awkward moment I've ever had on Inappropriate Earl with Don Fry, I think he was episode number five. He was very early on. And uh you know, I, I'm a big MMA guy, especially from his era. So I was like, uh this is right around the time that gay football player Michael Sam came out and uh I don't know to this day if Don was kidding with me, but I said, what would you think about a gay MMA fighter? And I asked it in all seriousness. He's like, I don't. I was molested. Uh, And I was like, oh, okay. How about that Gary Goodrich fight from Pride? (laughs) Black Hat. The last one. El Harible? I've never even heard of this. It's with Thor. Thor? That actor, whatever his name is, Chris Helm- Helmsworth. Oh, okay. Earl, where did you where do you put this one? I uh, uh, never saw it. Brian? Oh, nice. I never saw it. Oh! I think oh. I saw some of it. Oh. But I'll put that. We'll never end it. saw it. We never saw it. We're in El Harible territory. <laughs> I hate movies. I'm going to stop that. Well, that's what happened. Since I entered the Dabbleverse, I stopped watching movies. That's why it's no longer a movie podcast, because we're just all day watching Cardiff Electric live streams and Uncle Rico. But that's how I discovered Earl Skakel. Earl, I want to thank you so much for coming on this podcast and putting up with us for, for almost two hours. Oh, thank I hope- you guys. I, I Like I said, or like you said, I reached out to you guys because, uh, you know, it, it's I don't ask to be on too many podcasts outside of Rogan's, and uh, I fucked up my. Uh, you know, he asked. <laughs> and me Rogan once, was busy tonight. <laughs> you know, he asked me once to do it, and I fucked up. So uh, wait a second. Is this are, really? Uh, we are. We're in the comedy store kitchen, which is a great. If you ever have a chance, if you guys are ever at the store, I'll, I'll take you back there. It's like a live. Uh, yahoo chat room but you're, you're dealing it's just everyone's back there it's girls it's famous people and all that stuff and joe was leaving and he just kind of looked at me and he was like it's time you come on and this is about maybe two and a half years ago and i just i froze i'm like don't act too excited play it cool just uh just don't move just yeah no problem i'd love to don't act too like anxious 
and he gave me he gave me his number, which he never does. You know, Bin Laden's cell phone number probably would have been easier to get than Rogan's cell phone number. And uh, he said, call Jamie tomorrow and we'll set it up. Jamie's his producer, I think, to this day. And I remember saying, you know what? Give him a day off where someone isn't asking for something from him. Someone's not, hey, I want to do your podcast. Hey, even, even though he told me to call him, I said, I'm going to give him two days. It's like that scene in Swingers where they're talking about when to call the girl two days. No, you call him three days. And, and so I called him in two days. And he was very nice to me. He's always nice to me. But I could tell he kind of forgot he told me. So oh. I panicked. I panicked. And I should have just done what I'm doing now. Say, hey, Joe, you told me to call you about the podcast. Bingo. I, I probably would have been on multiple times. Uh, but I... I, for whatever reason, I just froze. And I'm like, uh, hey, I got this great idea for guests. Like, Joe needs my help booking this podcast. Because <laughs> my friend Eric Day had been in a Pakistani prison for three years. Oh, and Jesus. Was very much like that Brad Davis movie, Midnight Express. Midnight Express, yeah. And I was like, yeah, you should, you know, he's been in a Pakistani prison. He was the only American in it. He ran it. It was like that Pat, uh, Brad Davis movie. And uh, uh, and Joe was like, yeah, give me his number. And so I, I think I got him on the podcast. And I, I just froze. <laughs> so I hope I don't think, I, I think, the, I hope he doesn't think I big timed him, which was not my intention. Um it Call was him right to, now. Let's do it on this podcast. Well, when he watches our pa- podcast tomorrow. Like he'll probably yeah. reach out to you. We might get well, retweeted by El Harible. You don't know. I mean, but I, that's probably the biggest fuck up in my 22 year comedy career was I'm too nice. And I was like, I want him to have one day where he can just be with his family, be with his dogs, his MMA friends, and just not have <laughs> someone call him. I want this from you. And, you know, that's probably uh, literally one mistake could have cost me probably a lot. No, it's not over. The world needs to see more of Earl Skakel. God damn it. All his uh, followers are down there. We'll put a link to the Patreon as soon as we publish this. And I want to thank you, Earl, for coming on. El Harlible, my friend, I want to thank you very much for coming on. I'll see you uh, in the chat rooms and the various Dabbleverse forums. <laughs> sure. Thanks for so- having me. Thanks for asking me. My pleasure. So for Brian Spears, I'm Carlos Danger, and this was Insufferable Bastards. Thank you so much. Thank you, guys. Peace. Peace.